The Soundwave Chronicles podcast, brought to you by FD Productions, engages in conversations with pioneering musicians, producers, and experts from the music industry. We get the inside scoop on what it takes to make it in the music industry today by delving into the sources of their inspiration, their creative process, and much more as we explore a wide range of their experiences. I am your host, Afterlog, and I want to welcome you today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I have a very talented guest by the name of Harizar Pirzadeh, who's uh, an amazing violinist, violist. She's an award-winning musician based in Tehran. She moved to the UK. She's only been there for about four years, but she performs there as well. It's really a pleasure to introduce Hariza. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So what does this week look like for you in terms of performances and studio work? What's like a normal week look like for somebody like yourself? As a freelance musician, I would say that it's really good to be involved in uh, different projects, to be called with, to go for the uh, for, for playing for the orchestra and also to teach some pupils if they offered you to do that it would be absolutely fine to do this kind of stuff. I really like to spend my time working with pupils, working with uh, music studios to record uh, in the sessions. And um, yes, it, it's good. It's good. Oh, so you love what you do. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I really love. Now, I didn't really introduce our listeners to your bio, but I'm just going to sort of bring up little tidbits of the bio throughout uh, this interview. So... You started pretty young. You started at the age of 10 in Tehran. And I'm sure it was a very different experience from what you are facing now in the UK in terms of just quality of life. Do you want to tell me a little bit like some of the differences that you had maybe at the age of 10 as a violinist, violist, and today as as an adult? In the UK. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as you said, I started playing the violin and viola at the age of 10 when my parents sent me to the Tehran Music School. And I started to learn uh, how to play the violin. At the same time, I, I started to play the viola as well. So my teacher just offered me if I was happy to do the same because he, he saw my uh, potential to do these two instruments together. And he offered me and I and I said, yes, I can do both of these instruments to play. And um, after six years, uh, I graduated from Tehran Music School and then I started my professional career uh, in Tehran Symphony Orchestra. So I auditioned for Tehran Music Orca- Orchestra and then uh, they offered me to play as a viola player in the, in the orchestra sector. For that time, it was really hard for me to, you know, to uh, communicate with people, especially 17 years old. It, it, it was, at first, it was really hard for me, but uh, over time, it gets better and better. I worked for Tehran Symphony Orchestra for four to five years. And at the same time, I studied um, uh, the music in uh, Art University of Tehran. And I got my Master of Music Performance. Um, and after five years, I stopped working because uh, I was into loads and loads of different projects. I couldn't make all these two together. You know, it was really hard to deal with two, uh, two, two jobs at the same time. So I decided to do the freelancing rather being a permanent player in an orchestra. 
Uh, and during that time, I uh, started to play with various music orchestra, including the Persian, both Persian music orchestra and the classical. Uh, we had uh, we had our concert in um, different part of the world to perform uh, for the audiences. Uh, and uh, as the most recent one, I can say the uh, I I work for uh, or um, Czech television orchestra. Uh, I, I was actually invited to, to as a guest as a viola player uh, to work uh, for the Czech television orchestra to do some recording for them. Mm-hmm. And yes, and uh, it continued for another uh, th- three to four years doing kind of this stuff. And then I um, met my husband mm-hmm. in um, in one of my concerts. He was uh, he was one of the audiences. He sat in the first row of the audience. And as I came to the stage, we actually first <laughs> we. Um, uh we just came you know uh, we just uh, uh we love each other at the first sight you know uh, oh, yeah. and then he and he proposed me after the after uh, having a little connection he proposed me if i was happy to marry him and mm-hmm. then he and then we actually uh, came to the uk and uh yeah i came to the uk in 2019 mm-hmm. And since then, um, I tried to take up in various musical training courses, um, you know, in, in the hopes of getting my resume portfolio promoted. Um, and uh, however, I know that uh, I passed my Master of Music Performance, but I, I knew that it's really, it's really important that you you have to be updated in terms of living in the first world country because I come from a third world country. It was really hard to get up, get along with uh, with many things that it's really different from uh, your country. You know, I hope that it, could it you does give some, make sense. Could you give some specific examples of where it's more difficult um, in, Ter- in Tehran? Um, you know, uh, in terms of the musical education, um, I I know because you know, um. However, we had a very very professional teachers to um, to teach us how to play the violin or or any other kind of uh, instruments. But uh, when you when you move to to the other country, which is not part of uh, Middle East countries or uh, even the third world countries, I think that things are going to be more complex. You know, uh, you have to be more. You have to be more capable. You have to prove your capability to be connected with uh, those people who can connect you to the to the very more professional uh, career or more professional uh, atmosphere. And um, yes. Um, so, what, what was your question? But, but were some of the what were some of the challenges that you said? You mentioned that you had you encountered some challenges in Tehran that you would not have encountered in the US or the UK um, because of the nature of it being a third world country. Is it a lack of resources? Is it um, the pay not as good for the orchestra? Is it like limitations by the government um, in some some capacity? Like maybe you couldn't play, I don't know, were, were you not able to play certain songs? Could you elaborate on that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, however, I don't want to put it into the politics, but uh, to to make it more clear, I remember that in, in the teenage, uh, I used to collect um, the CD player, uh, sorry, the, the CDs that, uh, that Itzhak Perman recorded. Uh, you know, at that time, it was really hard to use the applications uh, in, in Iran because we didn't have as many applications as now we are using now in in in, uh, in uh, r right now um and uh i believe that i i used to walk uh, miles miles to um to get that cd to be able to listen and then to play along you know that there was a backing tracks um on that cd and i and i remember that uh before before my audition, I used to uh, use that CD the CD one, okay. But I remember that there was only one shop in Tehran that we can uh, we could actually have all these CDs uh, to buy that CDs to be able to listen and play along, you know, uh, because of the limitation, you know, because so of saying, the. You're saying that one of the limitations of living in Tehran is that you had you didn't have you had limited access to music. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it does now, but you were as a classical musician, weren't you typically sight reading sheet music? We we actually do the sight reading as well. You know, the, this is not something that really, really difficult to do. You know, uh, I think that sight reading, uh, we can do the sight reading as well, as well as uh, the playing the instruments. Mm -hmm. So, so, but, but it was helpful, obviously, if you're auditioning for something to, to, to hear the song that you're going to audition. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you really had to be very good at sight reading or at least memorizing the song if you didn't have yeah. access to it on, on tape or CD. So that's yeah. one of the many, all right. Um, I could personally attest to when I, I was, I'm a, as a violinist, I, when I would audition for orchestras, mm -hmm. I would, um, I, I would definitely want to listen to the music over and over again before before playing it before challenging myself with the sight reading so i can i can identify with with uh what you're talking about um yeah and uh, now when you when you moved to the uk had did you find that life got a bit easier um was it uh, was there a language barrier uh that served as a challenge for you and your husband um yeah, at first, you know, yeah, at first it was really hard uh, to actually communicate with English people because um, at first I realized that they don't have this tendency to speak with uh, the foreigner people. And um, as as we talk to friends, they just say, yeah, this this, this normally happens when, when you're a foreigner, they especially when it depends on the area that you are living some some people would not rather to speak with the foreigner people but some yes they are very open uh to speak um it depends on the area unfortunately the area that we were living mm -hmm. people were not actually open to uh speak or even have eye contact to be able to start conversation with them mm. so uh but um, but uh, I actually uh, was um, happy to uh, start my communication to have connection with friends, and I've made a bunch of helpful friends around who were uh, either studying at university or have graduated 
um, and they were very, very, very uh, helpful to share encourage me to uh, study in, in one of the UK universities because they, they say that it's a shame when you have this potential and to not let it find its own way, you know. And and these days I'm just thinking about going to the uh, to the university to study uh, my music um, to be able to promote it, improve my musical uh, skills and put it into the professional practice. So did you say that you're working at university now to improve your skills? Yeah, I'm 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 thinking about going to the university these days, you know, um, because um, since since immigration to the UK, uh, it took a lot of time to embark myself into the right position. I I had to deal with so many different things in terms of the culture, you know, uh, the communication um, everything was really uh, different from from my country. But I think that after four years, I can say that this is time for me, that I can think about myself. I can think that I can go whatever I want to do. And yes, I think maybe um, in the next one year, I will have studied in one of the universities in the Manchester. Um, who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, for yeah. those those of you listeners who just kind of hopped on in the middle of the show, I'm speaking with a very talented uh, violinist, violist, uh, pro- award winning producer, uh, and performer Parisa Pirzadeh. Um, mm-hmm. You you won an award 2018 in Tehran for best classical music award. You you did a performance of nine tracks uh, with um, my brother, my twin brother. Oh, with your brother. And now, how did you? What did you do to to prepare for something as big as that? And what did it feel like to win an award like Best Classical Music Award, which is pretty significant? To clarify this, I would say that uh, luckily I have come from a musical family, you know. And my elder sister, who is uh, 12 years my senior, used to play the violin. And I remember that since childhood, I was, you know, um, overwhelmed with uh, listening to her, uh, her violin playing she used to prepare herself for all the um, repertoire that she was asked for, for either audition or uh, music exam. And um, and my my father actually has a very good voice. She used to sing before the revolution. And after the revolution, he, he just stopped working as this field due to some of uh, his personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. And also, I my, my brother, my twin brother, plays the piano. And for this album, specifically for this album, I asked him if I if he could actually accompany me for some of the tracks, as a pianist, as a accompanist. And mm-hmm. yeah, here's here's the uh, album that we want a plaque of honor, uh, for the best uh, classical music performer of the year. And uh, yeah, it it was. Did you held... mention that you? Did you mention that you did a recording with him? in order to yeah. submit for the competition yeah. or was it a live performance no it was recorded in his own music studio as i said before um he has his own music studio in tehran mm-hmm. um uh and uh, yeah I, I i remember one day i i asked him if if he was it was not busy to do this kind of thing together and he said yes yes um, and uh, he actually agreed to do this together. And uh, I think that uh, Puria, my uh, my brother's name is Puria. Puria did, uh, I think, three to four tracks as a accompanist, and uh, the other tracks uh, 
the repertoire was played as a viola or violin soloist. Um, I play as a as this uh, violin and viola soloist. It's an incredible accomplishment what you won, and and that must have given you a whole lot of confidence to continue this full time career as a just a live musician. And you were you're so successful. I mean, at 20, 2018, Plus, just looking at your bio, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to check out. Chris's bio, it's pretty extensive. Uh, you were on the Czech television soundstage. You collaborated with uh, Poor Miriam Mayer Music Studio in Tehran. Uh, you have, I mean, you've really been around the block and you're very well connected. Why did you decide to move to the UK, even with all the achievements that you had gained in Tehran? Were yeah. you looking for more opportunities or was there something missing? Because I got married. <laughs> Oh, okay. That that's it. That's clear. <laughs> yeah. But he was in Tehran, no? No, no. He used to he used to live in the UK for about eighteen years. And uh, when I had a concert in one of the uh, venue of, in the London, he he just came as an audience, and um, okay. we just met each other there. Yeah, and I came back to Tehran, and then he moved to Tehran to propose. You know. <laughs> I thought your husband was from. Oh, he moved back to Tehran to propose. Okay. But he yeah, was originally, yeah, yeah. he was originally uh, from Tehran. So you were both, you had the same background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Iranian as well. Yeah. So that works out great. So, um, so it was sort of a no brainer. Like you weren't going to have him move to Tehran. He said, no, you got to move to U to the UK for this to work out. Uh because because he he used to live for about 18 years and it, it was really hard for him to you know to cut everything and get back to to iran and he just he just asked me if i was happy to uh, to come to the uk and i said yeah okay it could be another option i can i can i can come with you right so it was a love at first sight no brainer you moved to the uk now as far as the pro the professional opportunities did you feel like you lost something from Tehran when you moved to the UK? Or do you feel like, okay, this is just the same thing. It's just the challenges of the culture. Um, <laughs> this is a question that everyone asks. Um, since coming to the UK, you know, uh, my my friends just uh, look at my profile and they say, oh, Paris, though, you were so professional in your art field. And why did you move to the UK? Because you already know how to... Uh, get your followers how to you know to um to show yourself um and i said that this is life um we have to <laughs> we, we can't actually predict what happens um but um i'm happy now because after four years i'm just starting to uh find my way to to be able to uh what actually i want to do um i think that it's it's enough for me which is what? What what is it that you actually want to do? Um I really want to be as a viola soloist one day. And I think that I can now start by thinking about going to the university and starting um starting studying in the university to be able to uh, see to see people who can connect me to different orchestras, you know? Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I would like to study specifically the viola soloist uh, a subject, and and I think that um, now it's time like I can take my steps bigger uh, to be able to uh, get that uh, dream, you know. Now, have you 
worked on have you worked on original compositions uh that you know you, you you've published to spotify um or is that or is your main mission to just sort of to play classical music with orchestras that that are already pre-written like i don't know bach beethoven that type of stuff mm. um you know um if you have if you have listened to my uh my new album which is which is called beyond the sea it's now streaming on all music platforms um um since coming to England, i i felt that i'm alone you know i had to do something to fill that gap and i started to compose uh, my own tracks it the the album consists of five tracks um uh, my own composition and I played only piano and violin for all these tracks um, now before you continue mm -hmm. it, how, how can our listeners find your music uh, do they go to your website Parisa Pierre Zade, was it dot yeah. com or yeah yeah exactly. I put I put all, all the tracks on the on, the, on my uh, website and even if they can um, pop my name uh, into the Google search, Paris appears that the, I think it will automatic automatically uh, uh, my my actually, I, yeah yeah my album will come up automatically if they just put my name Paris appears that okay and it just because and if if they want to find you on other platforms do they just go to Parisa Pierzade spelled a D E H at the end dot com and is there a link to that? to that they could find that they could easily find your music exactly yeah yeah exactly. this is her this is her website actually let's see if i could this is yeah, this is her website very professional very cool yeah, looking yeah. oh thank and you, you can, ladies and gentlemen you can scroll down and check out her amazing bio and all of her music um so you check that out um and uh stream her music on on Spotify and all platforms, but I see there's a bunch of YouTube music videos as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I do my YouTube channel. Yeah. Do you want to However, tell us about? I'm I'm not very busy these days to put my uh videos on YouTube because these days I'm just um I'm teaching a lot, you know. Um, I have lots and lots of people who come to mind to have uh, their uh, private violin lesson, and I I think that. I I think that one day my friend said, "Well, oh, Paris, come on, that's enough. You're just teaching too much." Um, uh, that's why I'm just uh, these days I can't find any uh, time to put my uh, video on YouTube, and that's why. Um, your your uh, schedule is full with uh, teaching and mentoring yeah, teaching. younger yeah. or or other aspiring yeah. violinists and violists. Exactly. And how do you enjoy that? Yeah, I love, I love teaching. Yeah. Um, as a peripatetic violin teacher, you know, um, I've been working in one of the uh, music center. Uh, one of the best, uh, I think it's it's most well-known music center in the Manchester, One Education, if you search its name. Um, uh, I've been working with them for three years and uh, now I have uh, seven to ten pupils uh, to teach violin uh, uh, and viola, both violin and viola. And sometimes they call me to go to the different schools 
to deliver music workshop or a music lesson for children. And uh, apart from these activities, uh, sometimes I'm called to do the different task, which is uh, actually comes from my culture, you know. Um, for the most recent one, I can include uh, Music Action International. Uh, we, we work with uh, four different schools in Manchester to be able to teach them how to uh, song, uh, how to how to sing a song which is actually come from a different part of the world, um, and we actually get them all into the uh, into the stage to play for the audiences. It, it was a massive uh, uh, stage hall, mm -hmm. and it was my first time to get all my children uh, to come to the stage and to uh, conduct that's the sign that was originally from Iran. And they actually sing the sign. The, <laughs> the sign? Than yeah, sing the sign, the, the Persian language. They were able to uh, sing that sign in Persian language oh. better than me. It was incredible, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. By the way, some of my fa favorite uh, culinary uh, cuisine is, is Persian food. <laughs> Just as a side. <laughs> well, Persian Which one? Food. Say that again. No, no, some of my favorite food is Persian. Persian food. Oh, oh. Syrian yeah, yeah. and Persian food, some of our like my whole family, we love that stuff. <laughs> Just as yeah. a side point. Anyway, back to what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. And yes, um, and also I'm I'm invited to do uh some music workshop, as I said, uh, as part of the uh festivals, you know, as the most recent one, I can say the horizon and um the den festival was the la last festival that I uh work with lots of children to to teach them how to count how to count uh, the musical beats and how to uh, produce a sound in a better way um and uh, i don't know if you know that i can play um uh, i can play one of the persian music instrument which is called greychak it's it's hard to pronounce but greychak uh, yeah Paycheck is like a tiny cello, but uh, it has a very uh, it has a very low sound. You know, it's really hard to produce a sound as much as you know you produce with with the cello. Mm -hmm. um, is the fingering the same? It, it's fingering, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, it has four strings. Yeah, is it the same fingering as the cello? Yes, exactly, and it's the same tuning, like D. Like A D uh, G C, yeah, did the same tuning. Um, but the only difference is is that uh, the the check uh, has a very low sound, as I said, and uh, it has um, um, it has uh, it doesn't have any um, you know. It doesn't have any uh, difficulty to play. You can actually, you can easily uh, play the check. Only it, it has only one position to play, and uh, everything very very it should be very easy to play. Hmm. And uh, yes, uh, I use that check to to make sure that children can produce a sound. You know. Um, I remember the one that I I brought my 
I took my uh, Recha to to uh, to that festival, uh, and uh, the lady came to me and said, "Oh my God, what what's this sound? What what's this sound? It's, it has a very dark sound when you play." And she was actually interested in learning this instrument, and I said that it it should be very easy for you to play. And since then, she is my Recha uh, pupil. <laughs> she, it, she she's English, but she 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 just realized that she, it's something different uh, that she can she can play. And mm-hmm. sometimes she takes takes me a message. She said that oh, Parisa, I'm I'm playing this instrument in front of my friends and family, and she they just uh, they are really happy for me to to learn uh, the different instrument. I think that this is something very new for them, and I can actually develop this uh this activity and put it into the different uh projects um because i i realized that this is something new and i can i can work mm-hmm. so yeah. um I, you know i'd love, love to check this out um i don't know <clears throat> i don't know too much about it i know the cello no. but um you let me ask you do you have any association with uh, the suzuki method uh, Suzuki method, yeah. Um, uh, I think Suzuki method. I I used to practice a lot when when I was in teenage, uh, teenage period. Um, I remember my my teacher gave me a Suzuki method, uh, and I and I chose only five etudes of that book to to play for the for the. For the exam, and uh, yeah, for violin and viola, Suzuki has a has a method for violin and viola. Uh, actually, this is uh, the original one is for violin, and it transcribed or transposed to the viola. In, and uh, we used to work both versions because we we had to do this for the exam. And I remember that I had to play both versions for the music exam, which was really hard for me. But uh, at the end, I was actually able to to <laughs> do the both both versions for the for the jury. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, I, I really like the method. Um, it's it's very unique. I um, these days I'm giving this um, this method to to my pupils to work. Especially, it has um, it has forty studies. And uh, normally, I choose uh, the last ten study for for pupils who are in in between uh, the intermediate to advanced level. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so, but I, what I didn't understand is if you're using a different uh, what the name of what the other approach to te- your teaching method is is called, or if. So it sounds like you used Suzuki earlier, but yeah, that's not that's not a method that you use with your kids now. Yeah, you teach students now. Uh, in the UK, normally uh, the teachers give their students uh, when they are in the in, when they are uh, the beginners, when they are about yeah. to start yeah. the violin, how to learn the violin. They normally give the violin star uh, book. To the kids, violin star, it, and it has with three books, violin star one, two, three, and um, 
after third book, they're able to go to the grade one. Uh, I don't know if you have heard about the ABRSM method in the UK. Um, ABRSM is, is the organization that pupils can can go and exam and to do the exam to be able to pass the level and then they get a certificate and then after eight it has eight levels and after eight they are able to teach in organizations or any other uh, and you went through all those levels pardon and you went through all those levels yourself yeah yeah, yeah. i passed i passed all these grades mm -hmm. and um yeah before before uh, i did it before the COVID, but after the COVID, the they just set a new method uh, to do the d digital exam. It's it's really easier than the face-to-face -face exam. I, I did face-to-face -face exam. It's um, uh, apart from performance, uh, the, the examiner normally asks you to do some sight reading and, and you're required to play different scales uh, as well as uh, uh, they, they assess you how how musically, um, you know, how how we can uh, get aligned with different uh, musical aspects, mm -hmm. and you have to show yourself uh, how to be prepared for uh, every every question that they they come up and they ask ask uh, ask from you. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what percentage of your so you're spending a lot of time in the educational realm and you're also doing performances. So what, what percentage of your, of your schedule would you say is taken up with performances versus education? How much time are you spending educating other students and uh, versus teach uh, versus performing? Oh uh, yeah. Um, uh, so, um, I think that, um, I spend more hours teaching than practicing, you know, these days, especially these days, uh, I'm just um, involved with uh, this activity uh, because, because when you prove yourself as a good violin teacher, you get this offer, you actually have this offer to, to work with uh, different organizations and and I think that uh, these days I really love teaching more practicing because when you teach, you get much more experience. Um, in my perspective, I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong, but uh, I didn't, I, I actually, in, in the past, I didn't teach, I didn't teach at all, you know, uh, but since coming to the UK, after taking up various musical training course, um, um, I just realized that, okay, that's time that I can teach. And since, since starting teaching, I just realized that, oh, this is a very good activity. I really want to be, to be surrounded with this atmosphere. And I think that um, it could be a reason that I want to go to university to study music to be able to teach in this uh, in this art field, um, maybe maybe in the college or university, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but I really love I really love teaching. Um, so uh, it makes you sound you sound like you're a very patient person, which is definitely a prerequisite to 
to teaching <laughs> to, you know, patience, calm, like focus that yeah. those are all vibes that I get from you. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. what are your, so your aspirations, what are your, what are your goals as far as, um, professionally in the next year, the next five years, next 10 years, are, do you want to be a, you mentioned you want to possibly be a professor or do you want to, you want to play with the symphonies? You want to be a soloist, uh, an artist or all of the above? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of the above actually. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but personally personally um it, it's um, however i really like to do teaching i would like to be appointed as a member of the international orchestra one day um to either be called uh, as a viola soloist or be called to sit along with the other musicians in the orchestra um but um uh, I think that it's more exciting to play uh, and, and uh, practice and share the technical exercises with the other musicians. I think, it, in, um, but uh, sometimes I, I think that the teaching could be another option. Uh, you know, I have these two. I'm not pretty sure which one I actually want to pick. It's really hard. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great that you're, I guess you're in the best possible predicament for your situation because whether you end up doing more teaching you'll be happy whether you end up doing more performances you'll be happy exactly. or if you do both you'll be happy so you just sound like a happy person <laughs> so that's great <laughs> yeah because I'm a very flexible person you know I can actually um, um get on with with everything very easily this is my personality I, I don't nag I don't complain I just try to to uh, to be flexible with every situation that I'm in it. <laughs> well, we need more people in this world like you. Flexible, don't complain. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's a that's a trait. That's an attribute that uh, is undervalued. I think. Oh. Um, I I wanted to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to, um, I don't know if the word is ergonomics, but the way that you hold that you position your instrument and as a teacher, if you could share with the rest of us, even myself, you know, as violence, violence, I've played many years and I have, I've had back pain over many years. Uh, and I know that there are different ways of holding the instrument. Um, I actually use a TheraBand for my electric violin. Um, what, what, what types of recommendations do you have? Um, I don't know if you experience any back pain at all. Uh, what, what types of guide guidance could you provide for us as far as how you hold the instrument, ways to reduce pain, maybe exercise? Do you have any of any insights into that that you share with your students? Um, fortunately, I've never had the experience to deal with kind of uh, these with my pupils. Uh, but I can say, um, if you have problem with how to hold the, the violin on your shoulder properly, um, is it is it because of using the shoulder rest? Are you using the shoulder rest? Uh, because sometimes it, it the, my pupils found it very difficult to use the shoulder rest. That's why I'm asking them to okay take them off and then just use the the uh, the cloth, the tiny cloth, you know, uh, to cover that part. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, normally when when they have uh, when they have difficulty using their shoulder rest uh, 
they use a cloth and they said that it's it's better to use the cloth rather uh, using the shoulder rest. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the one of the reasons that the violinists have uh, have the uh, have the pain whilst they are playing the violin is the shoulder rest. Um, Interesting. Yeah, um, I can say that uh, it it's really rare that you see people uh, using the shoulder rest uh, have the pain, but it, so you play I'm without a shoulder rest. Um, dep depends. Depends on uh, what actually what character. For example, if if I'm if I'm doing the violin in an orchestra, I don't use a shoulder rest, honestly. But if I want to record something or if I uh, if I want to practice, yes, I have my shoulders on on the violin. Uh, okay, so you do a little bit of both. Um, and how about alignment? Yeah. I mean, are you are you playing to the? I noticed guys, uh, violinists like Joshua Bell, uh, mm -hmm. you know, virtuosos like him. He's playing. He plays a little bit like this, and he sort of lifts his head up. I don't know if that's a habit or if he's told to do that in order to reduce his back pain to improve the alignment. Because when you're playing like this, yeah, you're hyperextending these muscles. Yeah. Especially if you're playing really fast, like Paganini. So yeah. is there a benefit to maybe playing more to the right, to the left here? It's showing right on my video, but I'm really, this is the left part of my body. Yeah. It, um, one method that I can give you is that before playing, sometimes, sometimes it's really important that you warm up. You get your fingers flexible by, by doing some exercise before playing the violin. Uh, for example, I I'm giving this method to my my kids, actually to to the children who are uh, less than five years or six years old. They actually uh, have this exercise. Um, yeah, just do it ten times. Yeah, after ten times, you can you can feel that the the blood circulation in your hand, and um, I think it this exercise might might be really helpful and useful before. Uh, getting yourself to play the violin. So you don't feel the need to do any stretching or strengthening of your arms or your back when you play? Uh, I don't do, I don't actually give this exercise to the to the kids, but yeah, for the teenage or even, uh, uh, even uh, more age group, yeah, I can give Adolescence. this. Uh, yeah, for example. Now for yourself, are you doing any exercises to keep yourself in shape for all for the the constant playing? Yeah, um, three three times a week I go walking, and I do yoga uh, once a week. I What's think that? that this yeah these exercises um can actually help uh, because yoga, I know no, normally I don't have any pain when I play the violin. I I can actually uh, feel that how it could be really painful when people talking about the 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 uh, the issue that they have uh, while they are playing the violin uh, but fortunately it has never happened to me <laughs> well, you're obviously it, very healthy uh, maybe maybe yeah. yeah yeah what is you you mentioned uh you mentioned a oh yeah I, I thought you mentioned a like a yoga type of activity you don't do any of those types of exercises yeah um actually i do it uh, online i have a i have a, a 
private tutor who is actually uh, working with me in online in Iran. So uh, we use a mat. There are lots of different exercises uh, for doing the yoga, but uh, we normally do half an hour, only half an hour, uh, once could, a could week. Could you tell me what yuka is? Yoga. 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 Oh, it's yoga. I, I thought, oh, it was a pronunciation thing. I thought you were describing a different type of exercise. I didn't know. So yo, you're talking about yoga. Okay. Yoga. So yoga, oh, you find to be helpful. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. If, uh, I normally um, give this advice to my uh, students. Do do your yoga. Am I said? Am I said correctly? Yoga. <laughs> no, no, I was just. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I just did. I I didn't know what you were referring to. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh -huh. And you enjoy it, and you find that it helps helps you. Yeah, it helps with your a lot. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Does she Some ever? They're just complaining about teacher. I we don't have any time to do the, the exercise. I just I just advise them, just do yoga. Yoga, yeah. you can benefit from you doing the yoga more than any other activity like jogging, uh, doing mm -hmm. bicycle, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. But do yoga, please. <laughs> okay, so you hear it. You hear it straight from the professional. You should do yoga if you want to keep yourself healthy and in shape. And that's an important thing to do as a violinist. Uh, I want to just before we head out, I want to uh, just have you remind us where we can find where all of our listeners can find your music and where we can stay connected with you on social media. For instance, how can people reach out to you if they want to book you or if they want to learn from you or yeah. if they just want to listen to your music? Yeah, sure. I think the best way that people can actually find me uh, is my website. I I have mentioned all the details on my website uh, just underneath of my page. If, if you just scroll down, you can actually see all the details that I've mentioned. Uh, my, web, my email address, uh, even my phone number. And yeah, and they can get connected. And what what if they want to and what if they want to just connect with uh, daily updates? Is that where else could they find you? If they want to see what Paris is up to, her latest projects. Oh, her latest. Yeah. My Instagram. I would, Instagram. I would okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're not Instagram. Instagram is the main thing, not Facebook or Twitter. So um, I'm gonna pull it up right now just to show show people just so they know. This is where yeah. you can find her on Instagram, and her website is right there in the the bio. And I want to welcome you to to check out this very talented violinist and teacher's uh, music on Spotify. Also, you can check out Spotify there. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much oh, for coming on. Thanks so much for tuning into the Soundwave Chronicles podcast, where you can stream our interviews wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed the interview and learned something new today. And if you did, please leave a review so we can keep bringing you great content. Thank you and have a great rest of the week.